We are supported by Taco Bell. Ooh. Oh, man. We often do two recordings a day and we have this little nice lunch break that we enjoy and we're always craving something really yummy. Yes, something fresh, something high quality, something like the all new cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell, which is Mm. exactly that. Mm. It's so yummy. It has slow roasted chicken, the pico, that purple cabbage and an avocado verde salsa sauce. Oh, delicious. Outrageous. The new Cantina Chicken Tacos, Burrito, and Quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina Chicken menu at Taco Bell now. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you uh, you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah. Easy peasy? So easy. The best part about Squarespace is it's an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can get discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools, and you can choose from professionally curated layouts and styling options with Squarespace Blueprint. Plus, you can kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. Hi. Now, if there's one thing that's become very obvious during this show, it's that humans love getting freaked out by things they've made up in their imaginations. And when one person gets scared about something they've made up, they like to scare other people too. And in no time at all, you've got QAnon and the Capitol Riots. Now it's easy to think that this is a new phenomenon, but of course it's not. We only need to think back to the Salem Witch Trials to be reminded otherwise. And in more recent memory, there's another really great example of conspiratorial thinking getting out of control. It's D&D, and it's become popular with children anywhere from grammar school on up. Not so with a lot of adults who think it's been connected to a number of suicides and murders. In the 80s, the United States was gripped by the satanic panic, a time when American parents became convinced the devil was taking over America, one child at a time. Dungeons and Dragons and heavy metal music were suddenly to blame for ritualistic abuse, strange ceremonies and a string of murders and suicides. For instance, one case, the parents were actually saw their child summon Dungeons and Dragons demons into his room before he killed himself. It all kicked off with a book called Michelle Remembers, written by a discredited Canadian psychiatrist who spent 600 hours with a patient who claimed to have witnessed satanic ritual abuse. They hadn't. The book went viral, and over the next decade, tens of thousands of cases were brought to the police and before the courts. In the 90s, the satanic panic went international, even reaching little old New Zealand. So, turn up Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven, roll those dice, and hope that Satan doesn't possess your body and make you kill a load of people. Because this is the satanic panic episode. Do you guys remember any of the satanic panic? The 80s? Did that touch your lives at all? Hugely. I can't imagine you were old enough. I wasn't, no. And I was so angelic. 
You were really angelic. Like the satanic panic wouldn't have hit me. But I do love that it rhymes. Mm -hmm. It's such a catchy name. It is. It was full blast in my neighborhood of Axford Acres, where I spent first till fifth grade. It had a couple different shades. My mom has always been a progressive, I guess. She was always like, this is preposterous, right? Anytime there was these reactions <laughs> in the news or whatnot, there would be Ozzy Osbourne would bite the head of a bat off. Mm -hmm. They'd be telling kids that they can't play D&D. &D. All these things were happening. And so she was like, this is ludicrous. Like, A, there's not even a devil. So B, you can't really worship one. So I had that cynical point of view of it all. And yet... I also was scared by it at times. So Ooh. my good friend, Trevor Robinson, his brother was older than us. He was like five years older and he played drums in a band and he basically lived in the basement of Trevor's house. And when you went downstairs, <laughs> the first thing you saw was like a huge Rodney James Dio poster <laughs> with an upside down cross on it. Scary. And I was like, that's scary. And then all over the basement was Pentagram 666. <laughs> Mind you, his dad was an FBI agent, which is awesome. And obviously didn't give a fuck either. But I do remember thinking, even if you were cynical or skeptical of it, it trickled in. You did think you might be the victim of some kind of satanic ritual. Not even yeah. because you think the devil's real, but maybe because these other guys who are so convinced there's a devil are going to do something yeah, outrageous to together. prove how devil-worshipping they are. Were you afraid that they were going to do some sort of spell on you? Or were you afraid they were going to murder you because they were so dark? Lots of things. I was a little nervous they were going to kill like a family pet in the neighborhood. I mm. thought, well, that might be on the table. Anytime you're going to earn status by being crazier, more violent, I'm a little on edge around you. Anytime I saw like the group of kids all wearing pentagram shirts, I was like, Phew. I mean, they're eventually going to have to prove their Satanism. Yeah, I don't think that's bad i don't is it bad to be scared of a group that's actively trying to be dangerous Scary. yeah i mean it's mixy because i don't think the kids really even did that really i mean i think there's a couple weird cases with some animals yeah. my overall thought on it is ire towards i don't even know what we want to call the group that was so scared from the oh, satanic shit that America. was America. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> what always angers me, I've made this point already on here. If you're nervous of Satanism or satanic worship, don't put it all over the news because yeah. all you do is drive a ton of kids. Oh, that's yeah. how you piss off these old boring people. Great. Thanks and for the marching was orders. was a huge part of it was the media coming on board. Every talk show in the 80s, every radio show oh. just dived in on this. And when there were reports of some sort of satanic ritual, maybe there'd been a murder and they'd found some weird bones next to it. The media just piled on and trusted whatever the locals were saying, which were usually saying, oh, this is Satan. Yeah. And the media just had a huge, I mean, it's a moral panic. That's another thing. It's mm -hmm. like it, it falls under that moral panic banner where it's just people gossiping and things getting out of hand and everyone piling on at once. But what they don't realize they're doing, or maybe they do, is they're creating a marketplace and an incentive. Now Ozzy Osbourne has a shtick that's going to work. Now, great. He was already a great musician with Black Sabbath, mm -hmm. but... That fear is what creates all these successful antichrist folks. Mm -hmm. The best thing, and this is what I find so fascinating about this particular topic, is it spread all over the world. We had the satanic panic. It kicked off here in the 80s. 
by the 90s, it had come to New Zealand. And we were having all these discussions about a decade after America was having them, which is just very funny to me. Yeah. But yeah. it literally... Embarrassing it, or no? Oh, it's slightly embarrassing. Because it's already embarrassing for me that we did it in the yeah. 80s. And then if I knew we had copied it 10 yeah. years late from the Mexicans, I'd be like, Jesus Christ. It what takes you us a while. It takes a while for culture to reach the rest of the world. Had we already figured it out by the time you it got... You were getting there. You were getting there. So it all kicked off with this one book, Michelle Remembers. And basically, a Canadian psychiatrist interviewed a woman, did a bunch of hypnotherapy sessions with her, got repressed memories out. I should mm. add that the psychiatrist ended up marrying this woman, the patient. <gasps> In these therapy sessions, 600 hours worth of therapy. And sex. Uh, apparently not, but How do you we? never know. Yeah. I know. She said that she was involved in abuse by the Church of Satan. The first case she said started in 54 when she was abused when she was five years old. And then by the following year, she was involved in an 81 day satanic ritual. So Ooh. these claims were just bonkers. But the psychiatrist wrote a book about it. The pitch was this is my patient dragged up all these repressed memories, and this is what happened to her. And that literally ignited the satanic panic in the United States. It was this one book. And is it because, do you think people were like, wow, I didn't even know these kind of organizations existed that hold 81-day rituals? It like, was shocking to people. Yeah, The accusations that she came out with were... It's what you get these days with the QAnon people. Kids were being trapped in cages. They were being sacrificed. sacrificed yeah. It's all the QAnon stuff. And I should say QAnon is just a loop of the satanic panic. Every talk show jumped on board, yeah. some more than others. Every radio show, the incredibly evangelical Christian movement in the United States was terrified of it. And so this book just went bonkers. Everyone read it. Everyone was terrified of it. And then it spread. And so now people start looking for evidence of it all around them and finding, I mean, one thing, I think I've told this on uh -huh. here before, I got invited by a, another friend, not Trevor, a little later <laughs> to a um, youth Christian thing. Because I think oh, they were going to go fun. to Cedar Point, the amusement park, and I wanted to go with them for yeah. a free trip. So I had to attend a couple things. That's how they get you. And the youth pastor told this long story about how he had formerly been a Satanist. You know, he's been converted and that his leader in this Satanic church he had great powers from the devil and he could make all the stoplights turn green. What an inane power for the devil to give you. <laughs> Not turning cool. lead into gold. Pure but, evil. Yeah, but for him to tell that story and, and that to be plausible, I feel like if anyone told that story right now, there'd be no one buying in. But yeah. almost everyone there bought in at that moment. Well, it evolves over time. My generation's version mm. of it was trench coats, like the trench coat. Mafia? You're wearing Columbine. Columbine. That kind of disaffected youth. Exactly. Yeah. And so when you saw people in trench coats, it was like, be careful of people wearing trench coats. It means that they might kill you. And that's insane because Burberry makes a beautiful trench. You can, yeah. And so does the row. That's what I want. America was panicking <laughs> about this book. And then they bought in mandatory reporting rules for any kind of abuse in the United States in the 80s because people were scared that kids were getting abused. So when that happened... Parents started reporting every little thing that they could dream of that might indicate some sort of sexual abuse. That led to this McMartin preschool trial in the 80s, which is, I believe, still one of the, like, the longest trials in the United States where there was no outcome. It just went absolutely nowhere. Incredibly expensive. 
And that was one of these cases where apparently at this preschool, kids were being abused. They weren't. But once that was covered so heavily by the press in the 80s, it popped up in hundreds of other schools in America. And so by now, the whole thing is kicking off in a completely bonkers way. Now, I don't want to jump ahead, but the Mm. Memphis... I mean, the West Memphis Three, these kids were accused of murder because they listened to heavy metal music and were goths. And had some posters on their walls that Uh had some satanic imagery. Yeah, that was peak satanic panic. Yes, the so West Memphis Three, Damien Nichols and that lot. Paradise yeah. Lost, great, great, great doc. There's and Peter Jackson ended up making a documentary about it as well after those original Paradise Lost films. Oh, wow. I think it was called West of Memphis. So it goes from this almost laughable, goofy yeah. fear of this in, in Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. Now you have motive being established right out of the gate yeah. for a murder because we all believe this could be a motive. You're looking for a tidy reason for everything. Yeah. Fundamentally, is the fear that someone who worships Satan will put a spell on you? No, no. So Michelle remembers her whole thing was that she was abused by a bunch of Satan worshippers. But she's saying she went into the Satanic Church unwillingly? The Satanic Church was abusing her. Sorry, she wasn't a member. Right. The Church of Satan, which she set up as this huge counterpoint to Christianity, was the organization behind it all. What she's introducing to the world in this book is that Satanists are kidnapping kids and torturing them, and I was one of them. Got it. And it was like, whoa, this is happening? Yeah, and it was so terrifying. It was repressed, and it's only coming up now because my psychiatrist slash future husband is bringing it out of me. Yeah, my fuck piece (laughs) slash my psychiatrist. I feel bad for Michelle. This guy, I can only imagine what racket he was running on this poor woman. He's a predator. The expert I talked to for this show, Dr. James Justin Sledge, he's a professor of philosophy and religion in the metro Detroit area. He's a genius when it comes to religion. Mm. And he kind of said, you sort of got to rewind from where the satanic panic came from and the book Michelle remembers by going back to the witch trials. So this is Dr. Justin Sledge saying, let's look back to the witch trials to get a feeling for how humans can kick off thinking such outrageous things. So what you have in the witch hunts is a kind of conspiracy theory. It is a group of pretty primeval myths tied into a narrative around how some group of people are meeting and coordinating to undermine all of Christendom. And of course, this is developing in the aftermath of the Black Death. Of course, what you get in this is a closed loop of logic. There are these women doing this. If we can arrest one of them, we can torture them through juridical torture. They will confess that they're a member of one of these groups. The confession system is incredibly leading, right? They'll lead you through what they basically want you to confess to. If you confess and you name names, the odds of you getting out of this are higher. They're not terribly high, but they're higher. And that starts a chain reaction. And of course, denying the charges of witchcraft or an indicator that you are in fact a witch, right? Because the devil is the father of lies. So there's really no way out of this loop once it gets started. And what happens is you have this chain reaction that begins to spread beginning pretty early in the 15th century and then really is amped up by the middle of the 17th century only to decline away and basically not be a thing by the mid 18th century. But it lasts for several hundred years and claims the lives of what we now believe between 40 and 60,000 people, mostly women, And that's not counting the amount of people incarcerated, their reputations ruined, them being tortured, people living under suspicion of being accused of this. There's the direct damage of 
being hanged or burned at the stake, but there's also the secondary damage of even if you're acquitted, the suspicion is there for life. So the witch hunts are in many ways an example of an early modern conspiracy theory. I think what's incredible about that, I think is this idea that maybe a hundred women were killed because people thought they were witches. It was tens of thousands of wow. women. 60,000. A lot. Is that what the number was? Yeah, between 40 and 60,000 women. Oh, um, woman. <laughs> woman. <laughs> women. What woman? Not 40 and 60,000 women. 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 In America, David, <laughs> yeah. plural of woman mm. is women. Women. Yeah, Ian. Yeah. Although yeah, I. It's don't... an accent issue. Yeah. Okay. Woman. Oh, great. But you weren't yeah. saying woman. Never, no. Well, why? you never know. Because well, <laughs> maths. Well, hold on. Never. You're pluralizing maths, which is great. Can I also say I'm in the middle of the Flightless Bird math episode, and it is deranged. It's getting so out of hand. Really? It goes to some weird places. Cool. Ma- math? Math versus oh, M- maths. Oh, he's okay. he's really deep diving into it. But when he says math without well, it the sounds like it, it sounds like no, math. No, so I when I interview... <laughs> For this show, I run it through transcription software, and you should see what my accent comes back as. And yet, every time I say math as in mathematics, it thinks I'm saying meth as in methamphetamine. Yes. It's it's, it's a struggle for me here. I'm hearing that. Okay. Uh, Okay, so... Women. Every time the shit hits the fan, it's going to disproportionately affect women somehow they just always end up the fucking short they're the evil ones yeah they're witchy temptresses awful yeah Yeah. i mean okay here's the other thing thank god for jk rowling Rowling. who's also got involved with the satanic panic but we'll get to that (gasps) oh i can't wait she made witches cool and wizards cool and nice and benevolent and i mean there are dark ones but there are dark humans too Witches are cool. Yeah. Christians don't think that. Now, there are real people that are into Satanism and Wicca. How mm-hmm. does Wicca line up with that? That's yeah, I mean, like belief that in witches. Yeah. yeah, sidebar, even members of the Satanic Church, it's not what your bog-standard American Christian would think it is. Satanists, they're not sacrificing babies. It's just a different belief system. It's actually pretty boring. Satan to them just represents sort of atheism and not having some higher power and god that controls everything with a few fun rituals thrown in it's not like oh i do believe in the devil and i'm aligning myself with the devil for favors here on planet earth it's more symbolic satan to them isn't an evil form he's not out there killing people mm. he just sort of represents this neutral force that isn't god oh interesting, oh, interesting. Uh, maybe it's a residual moral panic it kind of is I mean, what's your idea of what a Satanist would do? I think it's somebody with no prospects, and they go, oh, I've read all these books, and I've seen these movies, The Crossroads, and if I align myself with the Satan, I will get some preferential treatment here on Earth. And so I'm going to start declaring my allegiance to Mm -hmm. Satan, and then in hopes of getting some superpowers. And so they could go about actually praying to Satan the same way people would pray to the Lord. I imagine they could look at texts. There's texts that tell you how to do ritualistic offerings and stuff. And maybe Mm -hmm. they start doing some stupid things with animals. They've certainly, throughout that period, they were finding animals that had been sacrificed by bozo kids trying to act Satanist. But are you sure those weren't just psychopath kids? Those exist too, and they often hurt animals. Well, that's a great other level. Someone just wants to kill a bunch of people, and they do that. And Mm -hmm. then they 
kind of haphazardly just pick a cause to yeah, leave, right? Like, like terrorism. They'll, they'll paint, yes, they'll paint a pentagram. Yeah. Some of these shooters that align themselves with different It's a good example. I don't think there was any coordination. They were just like, I want to kill a bunch of people, and th this lines up with... Uh, it's more of the image. It's like, oh, scary Satanism. Yeah. That's what I'm into. Or I'm into ISIS, or I'm into Al-Qaeda. Yeah. And if I claim that that was for them, they'll certainly agree, and I'll be a part of something bigger. Mm -hmm. And my understanding of it is, historically, there have been Satanists that are like, let's do evil, awful things. But Satanism, generally, as it existed in the 80s when the Satanic Panic was happening, they weren't those people. Okay. Because mm. also, I'll just add, Elser mm. Crawley, the strange angel, the JPL guy, L. Ron Hubbard, they would attend these occult rituals. rituals. Uh -huh. And I imagine they really think they're aligning with a dark force in those. Yeah, Alistair Crowley definitely thought he was summoning various forces that weren't necessarily all that great. He was into that. I yeah. think for him it was more a sex thing. He just liked his sex magic and getting to like have sex with a lot of women in order to conjure up weird spirits. Wasn't that like the Black Dahlia guy and well, Salvador Dali? There was a bunch of them doing this. The Black Dahlia dude, yeah, yeah was a part of some of those weird Pasadena sex Satanist orgies. I mean, that did get crazy. Yes. And what was that style of painting that they, a surrealist? Surrealist. He yeah. wanted to be known as a surrealist. Well, Salvador Dali is one of the most um, recognized surrealists. Yeah. And he was my favorite until I heard that podcast. I loved him too. I think when you're young and you see that yeah. he does the dripping clock, you're yeah. like, how inventive. And then at a certain point, you're like, I think it's just a cartoon. Is no, that fair? No, it's cool. I like it still, but I also, I don't know. I had a wave of him being impressed with it. And yeah. then later just going like, yeah, it's a cartoon. I'm over it now. You are? You're post Dolly? Yeah, I'm over it. Okay. Yeah, I'm done. Stay tuned for more If You Dare. We are supported by ZipRecruiter. Are there some fantastic concerts coming to your city this summer? Mine too. In fact, Anderson Pack's playing at the Hollywood Bowl. I can't wait for Ooh, it. Ooh, that's exciting. If you want to be sure to see your favorite artist, you need to jump on it right away. I've already DM'd him saying, yes, I got to be in that front row. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. It's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. So what's the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com DAX. Got your eye on a rock star candidate? ZipRecruiter's invite to apply feature lets you cut the line. Once you review ZipRecruiter's list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply to encourage them to apply sooner. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We are supported by BetterHelp. Listen, I understand that sometimes you want to keep things to yourself, process your emotions in your own time. But if you keep everything bottled up, it can have some serious consequences. I have therapy on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it. I had therapy this morning. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and it put me in the greatest mood. We had a long, big day, and I just felt much better for having you were to... not to out you. You were a little grumpy going in. I was. I was. I was to be <laughs> Rob and I received some texts. Yeah, I was morning. locked out of my therapy setting, <laughs> which is this attic. <laughs> <sighs> 
But then you felt much better after. I felt much better. And I even made some apologies. Um, Talking things out can be so helpful. And if you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend therapy. Check out BetterHelp if you've been thinking of trying therapy. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for any reason for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DAX today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DAX. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you uh, you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah, easy peasy? So easy. Well, the best part about Squarespace is it's an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can get discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools, and you can choose from professionally curated layouts and styling options with Squarespace Blueprint. Plus, you can kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. So you had the witch trials, right? Just some good examples in the witch trials of how things get out of control, including all the leading questions that they would say to alleged witches, sort of leading them to give them the answers that they wanted so that they could put them to death. But as far as jumping forward to the origins of the satanic panic, it had a lot to do with what America was going through at the time. And so Justin talks to that a little bit. So I think that what's happening in the world out of which the satanic panic precipitates is the decline in the twilight of American power and prestige in the world. We go from the Halasan days of Eisenhower in the 1950s, where we just won this titanic war against evil. We had just built all this infrastructure. You know, it's the Brady Bunch. It's the world of like Nick at night. And the world just deteriorated. The massive social movements of the civil rights movement questions our idea that everyone's equal and we have the big insurrections and riots. We have the hippie movement, we have the countercultural movement in the 1960s. Even the Red Scare gives us the idea that we're not safe, the Reds are going to undermine us. By the 1970s, we have the rise of these really big recessions, the world oil crisis is really ramping up by the late 70s. And by the early 80s, the United States is economically and politically in a bad place. And just think of New York City in the 1980s. It was a mess. This is a time period where Detroit is burning down half the time. This is a period where the factories are closing everywhere. The Rust Belt is really becoming the Rust Belt as we know it. Giant industrial farms have really replaced mom and pop farms. The giant big box companies really destroying middle America by the late 70s. The malls are arising and gutting what used to be Main Street America. America is going through a huge identity crisis. Many of the marriages from the 1960s and the free love movement are collapsing in divorce. We have a social and political and economic disaster, really, slow-moving train wreck. And of course, we elect politicians who promise us to take us back to the glory days like Reagan and Thatcher, who are unable to deliver on that. They're able to fire a lot more people and destroy trade unions and close the mines or whatever, but they're not able to deliver on this, let's go back to the Andy Griffith show and do this. In those areas and in that social milieu, that 
slow-moving train wreck would have produced some kind of conspiratorial reason as to why it was happening. This is also the rise of the moral majority right, the big hardcore evangelical right-wing Christianity that really argued that the decline of America was the result of basically the apocalypse coming, and so there's a lot of apocalyptic ideas in the 80s, and America's moral degeneracy and rejection of Christianity as a kind of state religion. All of that, I think, was the cooking pot. That, to me, makes a ton of sense. Because if you look at all these crime charts where they're always saying we've been in a kind of precipitous decline in mm. crime rate, it always starts in the 70s. I think that's the peak mm. of the murder rate and everything. People probably were looking for an explanation, like, why are people murdering everyone? And then, of course, the geopolitical explanations too complex. Yeah. And then just, well, obviously the country's being taken over by a wave of evil. We continue to do that over and over and over again. We've done it with immigrants. We keep doing that, like looking yeah. for a reason why there's issues. Yeah, we want someone to demonize. Yes. And if it's not womanly witches, it's immigrants or Satanists yeah. or whatever. Whatever and, it is. Yeah, preferably it's a singular explanation. Mm -hmm. We like those the most. Simple's really good. <laughs> yes, yes. The reason Dr. Justin Sledge is so passionate about this stuff is that he got dragged into a satanic <gasps> panic of his own which I find particularly wild. I'm scared so, of him now. I'm scared of him. This was also, if I recall, the peak popularity of the Faces of Death VHS tapes that were going around. Did, did you I have don't know about this. I desperately want to know. And it, maybe it's like Nightmare, which is a VHS game we had in New Zealand. Okay. What's yours? <laughs> so Faces of Death, they ended up making several of them. Uh -huh. There were there were chapters of it. It was sold as real deaths. You were watching Ew. real deaths. Like snuff films. Exactly. Wow. Like it was like a popularized snuff film. And every second or third story had some kind of satanic underpinning. And they would show these oh, orgies God. and people be rubbing blood all over themselves. Ew. And these were hugely popular right. among kids in the 80s and 90s. Faces so of was death. it a game or just a VH? you'd watch as sort of entertainment it was like a documentary about morbid oh, wow. deaths no oh we definitely God. i remember these kind of awful vhs tapes that you could get at our video store video easy which is like your blockbuster right nightmare <laughs> is a separate thing which was a very scary a dungeon master kind of character and you'd push play on your vhs and he'd tell you when to roll the dice Ooh. and what to do and then you'd so you'd pause it and you'd play and roll it and then you'd hit play again <gasps> and this vhs guy takes you through the whole game and it's incredible we should do a round of nightmare sometime can i, I just know, read I, the description of faces of death yeah. please Faces of Death, later re-released as the original Faces of Death, is a 1978 American Mondo horror film written and directed by John Allen Schwartz, credited under the pseudonyms Conan Lee Clare and Alan Black, respectively. The film, shown in a documentary style, centers on pathologist Francis B. Gross, played by actor... Oh my God, there was an actor in it? Like, in my mind, this is a documentary. The narrator presents the viewer with a variety of footage showing different gruesome ways of dying from a variety of sources. Wow. Some scenes were faked for the film, while others are pre-existing video footage of real deaths. Also, that was mixed in. Right, so no oh, wonder it's so gosh. conflated in my head of what was real and what wasn't. Why did you want to watch that? You had to as an act of bravery. Like, you know, <laughs> all civilizations to ever be on this planet have rites of passages for boys. You have to oh. go out with the stick and hunt a lion. You got to get the certain tattoo or the lip plate. There's that's, never been a group of humans that didn't have a rite of passage for boys. That's such a moral nightmare to throw in real 
deaths yeah. and with with fictitious stuff. It's like that. It's There's horrible. this really famous horror called Cannibal Holocaust, and Ooh. it's so ethically iffy because there's a bunch of real animals that they're killing in amongst all the dramatized stuff. Anyway, Justin Sledge, he's very passionate about satanic panics because in 97, which I believe was a couple of years before Columbine, it was actually one of the first school shootings that had happened. It was October 1st, 97, Pearl High School in Pearl, Missouri. The gunman was a 16-year-old, Luke Woodham, and he killed two students, injured seven others. Prior to that shooting, he had met a guy called Grant, another kid, and apparently Grant had invited him to join a satanic group called The Croth. So before he went and did that shooting, Luke went and handed some documents to Dr. Justin Sledge which is who we're talking to today. Ew. And so he got sucked into a satanic panic of the day. I mean, the satanic panic very nearly destroyed my life. A young man in, in October of 1997 murdered his mother, came to my school, and he handed me a bunch of documents, the first of which was clearly a will and mentioned very clearly the word murder. And then he proceeded to murder his ex-girlfriend, kill a young woman sitting near her, and then shot randomly into the crowd. One of the first school shootings of this era. This is two years before Columbine. And as the days went on after this really horrific crime happened, we began to hear the rumors. There's a satanic cult in the town. They found some animal bones in the woods somewhere. Somewhere a county over found some candles while they were jogging. I'm not kidding you, that was a piece of the evidence. Even a young woman came to the police, hysterical, saying that she saw a cloud take the form of a skull, and she knew that the presence of Satan was in the town. This is the kind of stuff that was registered as evidence. About five days later, myself and several other young men, about a half a dozen young men, many of which did not know each other, were all arrested and charged with a conspiracy to be part of a murderous satanic cult. I ended up spending about 60 days in jail. Some of it actually held illegally in an adult facility. I should have been in a juvenile facility. But over the course of the next several months and years, as we have more and more court appearances, judges naturally ask for one thing. They ask for evidence. And evidence can't be clouds. It can't be, I heard someone say that someone said that someone said. What is the actual evidence for the existence of this cult? Where is the document signed in blood by all the cult members? And eventually it became more and more clear there was no cult. And it took about a year and a half, but the actual guy who did the murders very early on in the process was interviewed by the Secret Service. They were studying some of these killings. And he said that there was never a cult. Justin Sledge had nothing to do with this. I don't know what you guys are up to. And they withheld that evidence until eventually they had to turn it over because uh, the process in the case had gotten so long, they had to re-indict people to keep the case going. And when they presented all the evidence, the grand jury looked at the evidence and says, there's no evidence he had anything to do with this. And the literal guy who did this is saying, this is crazy and nonsense. And they failed to return an indictment and the case just went away. The families of these people might still believe that a bunch of satanic teenagers somehow got away with murder. They may honestly believe that. I don't know. So that's how wild oh. this got. That didn't even make the news or isn't a documentary. So you got to wonder how many uh, exactly. hundreds of these cases were happening. No, at exactly. That like it sounds when we talk about it, like there's just this little thing, the occasional case. There were 12,000 different examples of people being accused of things during the satanic panic oh. in the United States. Whoa. And so, you know, this expert I end up talking to, he's got his own example of that. He was literally put in jail because someone scored a scary cloud and some melted candles in the ground. It's wild. <sighs> candles, the most so ubiquitous crazy. item. Yeah. Oh my God. And you know, the rule of journalism is you should not bury the lead. And that 
this little interview probably should have been the beginning of this episode, but I kind of just wanted to surprise you. Rob's a rascal, but you're a trickster. I'm a trickster. That's the second time you've tricked us. You know, the sad thing, if I... Mm. It's hard for me to do this because I hate everyone who put kids in jail for 60 days. I hate the people who succumb to this. Absolutely. Panic. And then I'm forcing myself to imagine that they found this shooting to be so inexplicable, so otherworldly. Now it's commonplace. And I think we have some, well, I don't even know if we have a sense of why kids are doing it, but certainly it's not Satan. It's some other kind of mental health thing. Absolutely. Yes. It was unique back then. And you talked about the West Memphis Three and Justin Sledge got out of prison. He wasn't like the West Memphis Three that spent years and years in prison on death row. Their whole, yeah, yeah, young adult. It wasn't common. And so something awful would happen and you're in this small American town. You look to the weird kids in black clothing that like scary metal music. Everything turns on them. And again, so I I hate to make a case for him because I hate these people who did this. But, okay, so this really inexplicable thing happens, and then they go, well, if it's about Satanism, that's something we can patrol. Yeah, totally. Right? You're just hoping to figure out how do we prevent this in the future, and if you buy into the notion that this was satanically motivated, then you can at least have a task force that monitors the town or their meetings, and then you can follow people. Like, no, and police got involved in this, the church got involved in this, citizens, groups got involved in this, everyone. I just wish that our response in our most desperate, scared moments weren't, let's ruin some more kids' lives. The tragedy of a shooting is these little kids, their lives are ruined. And your response is to ruin eight more lives is a real bummer. Yeah, there was a case, I talked about things spreading to New Zealand. We had a guy that worked at a creche with young kids. Do you call them creches in no, America? I don't know what that is. Like preschool, worked oh. with little kids. Mm. Okay. Satanic panic worked its way. So in the 90s, he was basically accused of abusing all the kids in his classrooms. Sexually abusing Sexually them. abusing them. Okay. But not just that, he apparently killed a kid in some <gasps> underground tunnels. He had kids Branded in cages, okay. branding, the yeah. worst stuff that I'm not going to talk about. On the show. So he went to prison. He was put away 10 years. He got out in seven, but everyone thought he was guilty. He died about two or three years ago before anything was lifted. There's still post death this case going on to try and basically go, hey, you're innocent. He's still got a bunch of campaigners saying that. But it ruined someone's life in New Zealand mm-hmm. in such an outrageous way, in the same way it was happening in America. How do you know he didn't do it? Everything in the trial was so outrageous. It came from, and again, it's so icky, I don't want to get into it, but one kid said something weird. Okay. Said a sentence. A parent heard that, was like, okay, that's weird. Talked to all the other parents, and it just completely snowballed. I see. And in the last- I mean, was there a missing body? Right. No, no, nothing. No. No, literally, I can't state this enough, nothing happened to the point where I was just looking at this today, there was a news story where one of the parents, I'll read it out actually, one of the parents has come forward saying, no, my kid said that was all bullshit. One of the main kids that came out at the time. Um, This was a mum writing about her kid. So-and-so is now age 28. She lives overseas and her father and I have recently returned from a visit. Our daughter spoke to us about her ongoing anguish about the injustice that continues to be perpetrated against Peter Alice. That was the teacher. She said there isn't a day goes by when she doesn't think about Peter and the events that led to his imprisonment. She said that she continues to feel guilty and depressed about her part in this wrongful incarceration. So that's one of the lead kids that led to his imprisonment coming forward saying, hey. 
This is the ding, ding, ding about Adnan. It is? Yeah. About what? Adnan, cereal. Oh, He was put in prison based on very faulty evidence, which is why they just let him out. Well, really no evidence is what they're now realizing. Stay tuned for more If You Dare. We are supported by Taco Bell. Oh, man. We often do two recordings a day and we have this little nice lunch break that we enjoy and we're always craving something really yummy. Yes, something fresh, something high quality, something like the all new cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell, which is Mm. exactly that. Mm. It's so yummy. It has slow roasted chicken, the pico, that purple cabbage and an avocado verde salsa sauce. Oh, delicious. Outrageous. The new Cantina Chicken Tacos, Burrito, and Quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina Chicken menu at Taco Bell now. We are supported by Men's Warehouse. When you wear a tailored Men's Warehouse outfit, it makes you feel confident, like you can do anything. Whether it's a snappy suit that makes you want to dance at a wedding like no one is watching, or a smart casual outfit that gives you the confidence to nail a job interview. Yep, you should give Men's Warehouse a shot, and here's why. Men's Warehouse is the only nationwide men's clothing store that has a tailor in every store to fit your suit, shirt, jeans, etc. to your bod. Men's Warehouse features clothes from the best brands in the fashion world like Vera Wang, Kenneth Cole, and Calvin Klein. Men's Warehouse isn't just suits. They have jeans, t-shirts, shoes, hats, and even underwear. The tailoring is game-changing. It really makes a huge difference in people's outfits if it's tailored to your body. You could have a billion dollar suit and if it doesn't fit it looks terrible yeah agreed yeah it's key men's warehouse is everywhere with 600 plus locations nationwide so if you need one and you will there's one near you feel like you can do anything in an outfit from men's warehouse visit your men's warehouse store or click or tap to shop online we are supported by citizen m it can sometimes feel like there's been too much tech talk and not enough pillow talk In which case, you need to recharge at Citizen M Menlo Park Hotel. Sip beer at Canteen M Bar, restaurant, and terrace. Chit-chat with the hotel team, the friendliest people you'll ever meet. Refresh in a jungle-like power shower. Stream your favorite shows to your room's smart TV. And count your Zs in the world's softest bed. Recharge again and again in other tech cities like Austin, Miami, New York, and San Francisco. Book now at citizenm.com slash DAX today. So everyone's getting drawn into it at the time. Justin was drawn into it at the time. But he wanted to talk about three examples of what this looked like and what people were panicking about, which in hindsight is awful as it all got. They're all kind of amusing. The three examples that jump to mind are one, the idea of subliminal messages and backmasking. So this is the idea that you can insert subliminal messages that will exert mind control onto the people listening to it by encoding messages backwards onto the records. And people allegedly found lots of these, and it's called pareidolia. It's when you can hear things that aren't really there or see patterns that aren't really there. The most famous example being Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. 
where allegedly there's all kinds of things in there about sad Satan. And if you listen to it backwards and you see the transcription, of course your brain makes you hear it, even though I don't think they're singing about sad Satan or whatever. So that's one example where people were finding all kinds of things in the backwards playing of this music. Take a song, play it backwards, and think about the devil, and I'm sure you'll hear the devil in there somewhere. Or elves, or Tolkien, or whatever else you want to find. That's what the brain does. It looks for patterns when it doesn't hear any, and it will find them even if they're not there. It's like looking at a cloud. You'll see something. So it's easy to laugh at that backmasking thing, Yeah. but I went to a Christian school in New Zealand, and when I was 15, a big part of our music class was watching a Christian instructional video called Hell's Bells, and it was basically about how Madonna and Ozzy Osbourne and all those people are completely evil, and it had a big section on there on backmasking. And I remember as a, I think it was 14-year-old sitting in school in New Zealand in the 90s, thinking that backmasking was a real thing mm -hmm. and that Satan was inserting subliminal verses via these artists into the music. Well, this it was a real thing in my mind, completely real. I bought into it. Back when I first started smoking weed in high school, you get indoctrinated all these things you have to do. One of them being you got to put on Dark Side of the Moon while you're watching... What is it? Yeah. Oh, and it perfectly syncs up. Um, is it Wizard Dorothy? Of Wizard of Oz. Wizard, Wizard of, of Oz. Oz. Wizard of Oz. Yeah. And so you're told, oh my God, you know, they made this. Yeah. Do you knew that too? Yeah. Even not as a pot smoker. Yeah, it was a bit. I mean, I never did it, but I knew it was a big thing. I did it. And of course, certainly some things, they definitely match up in a very suspicious way. Yeah. But again, you're excluding the 98% where nothing was matching up in exactly. any meaningful way. And just the fact that there's a few moments that are pretty where crazy. You're, you're shitin' in a back mask and you're like, whoa, yes. it is sad Satan. That's right. You're ignoring <laughs> yeah. that the vast majority doesn't add up at all. Yeah, and also, even if it does say Satan backwards in a song, who gives a shit? Yeah, that's what is that going to do to you? Yeah. Also, no one's listening to it backwards. No, nobody. Like, if that was their intention, like, we're going to hypnotize all these people, well, then they should have made it so that when you played it forward, you got again, those messages. People believe this. It's why Justin Sledge was put in prison yeah literally because the whole like a lot of americans believe that this was a real thing and that kids could get affected by stuff like backmasking it's outrageous but then in saying that you look at QAnon and what they're doing and it's all still here the yeah. crazy still exists and people still believe more. if not more so yeah i mean i even saw a handful of dodos on our tom hanks episode go Oh, promoting another pedophile. I'm like, wow, guys. We're even like the Bill Gates I found insane. Yeah. But now Tom Hanks, is there anybody who isn't a pedophile? I almost wonder if we have people listening that were or still are heavily into QAnon and they think that there is this big conspiracy and they're listening to this show kind of laughing going, this is so silly. I can't believe they locked Dr. Justin Sledge up. This is crazy backmasking. That's so dumb. And yet look at the ideas they hold. It's the same shit. They just don't quite clock it. Do you think there is a single listener that believes in QAnon? I don't. No. Even when I see no. those um, messages about Bill Gates or Tom Hanks, if I go to them, they don't follow they're me. Robots. They don't the show. No, and they don't follow Armchair Expert. Uh, they, they're fair. told in some little group like, oh, yeah. we got a shit on Tom Hanks. He's being promoted somewhere. And they're just mobilized, I think. You're 100% correct. Yeah. Very funny you mentioned Tom Hanks, because Dr. Justin Sledge is going through three examples of the kind of batshit stuff that people were thinking during the satanic panic. Dungeons and Dragons, the argument there was that it's baked in with occultism, and that it 
facilitates young people not being able to distinguish between reality and fiction, and therefore it will cause these psychotic states in which they'll begin to practice magic in real life, thus opening the door to the devil to come into their life, or they will hurt themselves. There was a case where a young man here in Michigan actually did play Dungeons and Dragons and did ultimately disappear and, and kill himself. Timothy Grice, 21, a shotgun suicide. The detective report noted, D&D became a reality. Irving Bink Pulling, 16, an avid D&D player, a suicide. Police are blaming D&D. But there's no connection between him playing the Dungeons and Dragons. They make a movie about this. They write a book about it. They made Dark Dungeons, a movie with a young Tom Hanks that literally shows this tragedy play itself out. I have spells. I'm going to fly. You don't have enough points. I am the maze controller. You get this feedback loop. Hey, it happened in the movie. It can happen. And once you get it at the made-for-TV movie level, once you get it on the daytime talk shows, you can see the panics. Not much in the way of panics. And then Geraldo will do an episode, two-hour episode on witchcraft. Boom, then the panics go. And again, evil was kind of in the air in the early 80s. You have to remember this is the time of The Exorcist winning all these awards. So the devil is in the air in the late 70s. Rosemary's Baby, which is literally about a cult of people in New York making the devil's baby. The Amityville Horror was also a huge success at this time, one of the best-selling novels. So the idea that the devil and the devil's doing, this was also cooking in the late 70s, early 80s. But even toward the end of it, people forget that Harry Potter and Pokemon, that was all lumped into the panic at the very end. There were parents deathly afraid of Harry Potter, deathly afraid of Pokemon. So yeah, it's just very yeah. funny. So I remember a bunch of Christians again in New Zealand thinking and writing about how evil Harry Potter was because that was just a way to get kids away from the Bible yeah. and into the occult because wizards. Yeah, I heard there was like a movement to get them out of libraries and schools yeah. and all of that. People were scared. So it was going on that late and yeah, Pokemon came under that. Um, also, what spell about as Pokemon well. is witchy? I don't even know. There were probably some Pokemon that were like had magic powers or something. Oh my God. I don't know, something like that. What? But, that movie that Tom Hanks was in, that was his first lead role, 82. It was called Mazes and Monsters. And he played a oh, kid. Oh, so he made a deal with the devil, yeah. basically, he, to become no, the biggest star in America. Pretty much. That was yeah. his first role. And in the movie, he starts playing D&D, but gets way too into it. Ah. And starts killing people, etc. It's really hokey, yeah. and there's some incredible lines in it, and everyone should watch it. I'm scared of everything, as you know. I'm scared yeah. of gangs. I'm scared Kidnapping. of kidnappers. Oh, no, you're scared of Satan, though. No, I'm not. Oh. That's my point, is I don't understand why I'm not. Everyone's so obsessed with Hereditary, the movie. And mm. I was like, this is weird, but it's not scary. Scary to me. Like, I'm not I know the answer to scared. that. What? You don't have that foundation of Christianity. If you were constantly yeah. in a church where you heard good and evil, good and evil, good and evil, Lucifer yeah. tempted these people. Like, it's, totally it, it's it. such the foundation. Huh. Like, this this version of moral panic couldn't happen in India. There'd be another moral panic, but it wouldn't be Satan. No, i always the guy that's taking it back to QAnon, but there's a reason that most of the people into QAnon are deeply religious, because yeah. that gives you this background of good and evil, and this idea that it's what I was taught growing up. Like, we're here on Earth, and we can look around the attic, and everything's normal. I see you guys. But at the same time, in, like, another plane just next to us is this epic, like, good versus evil battle that I can be a part of, which is why I've got to read my Bible. And devil's mm -hmm. constantly tempting you to use your free will to choose him. Mm -hmm. That's the great challenge on Earth, is to choose Jesus over the devil. You're always being 
tempted. At my church, we had this exercise where you'd stand on a chair as the Christian because you're up higher than everyone else. And then another kid would come along and grab your hands and they would be like the sinner because they're down on the ground. And the pastor or our youth group leader would be like, it's so much easier for that bad person to pull you down off that chair than it is for you to pull them up onto the chair. So there's always people looking to like drag you down to hell. So that's the world you live in. And so when backmasking and Dungeons and Dragons and all that stuff comes out. It's proof now. It's proof, yeah. I will also add that that last segment Mm -hmm. was a great example. We're going to get into all the social science terms. Correlation does not equal causation. So yes, he played D&D and he shot himself. He probably ate checks. For and sure. They, they wouldn't go like, and he ate checks for breakfast. And he watched The Wonder Years that day. And he like, might have played checkers hell? before yeah. he played. Like the, I know. You're taking one item out of the most complicated <laughs> animal on earth, and we do a trillion things, and then adding that that's what caused it is hysterical. And it wasn't just some crazy radio show that was mixing this up. The 60 Minutes were doing reports on Dungeons and Dragons mm. sweeping America, mm. and oh, this Dungeons and Dragons player went and killed themselves. Yeah. Everyone bought into it. The parting shot from Justin Sledge was trying to make sense of all of this. This is what he had to say. I think because the world is still a difficult place for many people. Working class people, wages haven't significantly gone up in the past 40 years. There's a lot of things about the world that are still hard. Studies are now showing that despite all the technology, we're more alienated and socially isolated than we ever have been before. We feel disconnected. There are now more millionaires in Congress than there ever have been. I think Barack Obama was the last president to become president who wasn't already a millionaire. We feel disconnected from power. We feel disconnected from each other. We feel disconnected from nature. We feel disconnected from lots of things. And I think those are kind of perennial problems. And one of the easiest psychological solutions for those problems is to basically pin all of the world's ills on some group, whether it's the elites or the Jews or the Freemasons or the witches or the immigrants or what have you. And so even if the world is very bad, just knowing that someone's in control makes you feel better. And if you know that they're in control, then you feel even better. And maybe if you can even organize a resistance by, God forbid, walking into a pizza place with a rifle or waiting in Dallas for JFK Jr. to show up, you got a community out of it. And so we can say what we like about the QAnon movement or the Flat Earthers or whatever. It gives people a sense of community. And that's one of the things they're trying to escape is a sense of being isolated. It's complex. But when you have these simple reductions and when you need a good guy, bad guy scenario, there's a classic grab bag in the Western world of bad guy stuff, hurting children, eating babies, secret cabals, even the word cabal and Kabbalah are this sort of anti-Semitic idea that there are Jews secretly controlling things. And so you get this stock assortment of bad guy stuff. And that stock assortment of bad guy stuff goes all the way back to even Roman conspiracies about Christianity and then Christianity using those same conspiracies against their enemies. So these are just get recycled and recycled and recycled. And it's unsurprising that we see them reemerge from time to time, for instance, in the satanic panic of the 1980s and 90s. But again, even now with the QAnon movement, there's nothing new under the sun, as the book of Ecclesiastes says. Nothing new under the sun, and yet we just keep. A.K.A. On and on. History doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes. You love it. It's your favorite. I wrote that. I love this expert you've gotten. (laughs) Me too. I love him. Uh Uh-oh. (laughs) JustinSledge.com. You always know. I always know. There's a but. Yeah. What's funny is he's ironically doing the thing he can identify in others. So three times in this piece, Mm. first was Margaret Thatcher ruined the uh, labor unions. That was the cause of the first setup for the moral panic. So many people would say Margaret 
Thatcher probably saved England, whatever. There's different opinions on that. Yeah, but mm -hmm. it's not fringe to think she saved England, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It was completely bankrupt mm -hmm. before she, you know, whatever. And then now it's mentioning that we haven't had a president that's not a millionaire. Like, he has his own bad guy. And that bad guy, which is rich and income inequality, is what causes the moral panic. And he's super aware of that other people are attributing one thing or one group to their ales. He, too, is simultaneously making it quite clear who he believes is responsible. I find that a little ironic. I mean, he's obviously a pretty liberal person yeah but also it'd be great not. if people could finally step back from all of it and go oh and i'm doing it too no but we're just hearing this and responding he is an expert oh, so he's time. done a lot of research we can't just act like our opinion is the exact same as someone who's done a ton of deep dives into this and he's not I, saying i don't think he's saying that because obama wasn't a millionaire and say like i guess like trump was he's not saying that's the cause no he added that wages haven't come up dramatically in the last 40 years yeah, but they haven't but that's like a reason why people are so angsty and like looking for a bad guy you're allowed to there be able you, to state those things there you go so that you've concluded what it is it's not he's not saying that's the one thing okay you've got to be able to look at society and go these are the things that are going on the forces it's just like a fact the satanic panic in america sprang up but from really, that one book that's I, just that is a reason and you're allowed to say a reason yes I agree that that book is very easily mm. identified. It's um, a lie, mm. uh, completely f mm. uh, fabricated, and leads to all this news coverage. That's quite mm. simple. Wages haven't raised in 40 years. Also, standard of living is dramatically raised over the last 40 years. Although the wages have stayed stagnant, the prices of all goods and services have fallen dramatically. So that's also a truth in this statistic that wages haven't risen. But I'd argue people are struggling in America more they're not today that, that meant than that, they that, were no that by all metrics is not true there are less people starving there are less people living below the poverty line these are all the, absolute yes. hard fast yeah. statistics it feels like people here are more frustrated than they have been before or you're saying that's also not the case I don't mm. think that we have an accurate enough metric for us to evaluate the total cumulative angst of mm. the 1970s versus 2020. I think that the 70s, murder rates at its height, mm. there's lines to get gas, there's an energy crisis, mm. there's the very plausible threat of nuclear annihilation, you have Bay of Pigs, Pigs, you have yeah. Cuba. I don't think we could say, I think it's arrogance to say that we're in a uniquely bad time. Now, could I address that we have clear problems? Mm. I don't think we need to hierarchically say they're they're worse than previously. I don't think it does anything. I don't mm. think it's relevant. And I don't think it's known. We were at civil war at one point. Brothers were killing each other in West Virginia. Besides the civil war, though, we are the more polarized than we have ever been. Doesn't mean we're worse off, but we are more polarized. We can have a ton of conjectures about why. We can say social media. Yeah. We can say cable news. There's all these reasons why, but we're doing the same thing he's doing. We're we're taking a big picture and making some conclusion based off of it. It's, I think, okay to do and that. Then, so, no, no, I, I want... Yeah. All I'm asking for is acknowledgement. I've got to speak up for Justin here. Yeah. I'm in, in the interview process. I'm almost forcing him to do that. I'm like, give me my question. And essentially for the show, 
in two minutes, try and give me your take on why people are in this pressure cooker of panic coming up for reasons on why their lives are terrible. And that's one of the things he went to. I'm sure if we had him for half an hour, he'd be able to be much more nuanced. I started by saying, I think this guy's a genius. Mm. I really appreciate his involvement. Mm. But I can see that the polarization seems to be apexed. Mm -hmm. Now, if you listen to Malcolm Gladwell's incredible episode of Mm. Revisionist History, Will and Grayson Network TV, we're all saying the internet. That's a big factor of it. But the fact that we don't all share the same programming in the way we used to, 35% of this country watch the same show every night, and that yeah. you could predict how they would vote more accurately than any socioeconomic metric or anything else. Here's a huge element that's crazy. Wow, TV eroded. Mm-hmm. So the classes left, right, I think it's way too simple. You have something like TV in the mix that might be 40% of it. I don't know. I didn't hear that to the extreme like you did. I'm on the lookout for all of it. I'm on the lookout for the right oversimplifying everything. I'm on the lookout for the left because what I'm so desperately in search of is a comprehensive truth. And so income inequality, rich presidents, the wage hasn't changed. Margaret Thatcher ruined England. But he's also saying from when it was Mayberry times, everything's gotten more complex since then. I don't think he's blaming the right for that. He's just saying things have evolved. Good and evil. Here's what I'm (laughs) fighting against. We all agree good and evil is absolutely preposterous. And it's too simple. It's binary. There's two options, good or evil. Those are the forces. And I fucking hate liberals and conservatives. It's literally two options. It's the left or the right. And that is the fucking thing we have to fight against. This is too simple, good and evil. A school shooting isn't good and evil. There's a trillion forces. And to hear multiple times one of the explanations being this leftist view, I need to flag. It's falling directly into the binary options. I think this idea that he's incredibly liberal and only putting out liberal things, I almost just don't see it. I just see yeah. it as like, I just, maybe it's because I'm a liberal. But I don't see it as being that outrageous. I don't think Margaret Thatcher really had a place in this topic. And yeah. I don't think the presidents entering the office as millionaires actually had a place in this topic. Yeah, I, yeah, but at the same time, I, I guess the point he's trying to make is that there's huge inequality between millionaires and people that have nothing. People are feeling panicked and worried. It's like walking around here, you can walk past beautiful houses, and then a minute later, I'm stepping over a body on the street here in LA of someone that's just doesn't have a house. That wasn't like this here three years ago when I was here. And so I feel like there are really wealthy people in America and really mm-hmm. people with nothing. And I feel like that is increasing. That is a fact, though. That's a it, thing. There oh, is income the, inequality is totally yeah. real. And I think that's the point he's trying to make. He's not blaming QAnon on rich presidents. But really quick, Mm. I think we'll agree that QAnon skews right. It does. That the majority of QAnon believers are conservatives. Absolutely. Now, here's another truth about the conservative base. They are lower socioeconomically than Democrats. Yes. Okay. And yet, they are the ones that most defend wealth. Truly, out of anyone in this country. Well, not the QAnon people. So conservative voter base makes less money than Democrats. They also vote for people who reinforce the exact thing he's talking about, which is they like the rich president. Yeah, they They, see it as aspirational. They don't want to redistribute wealth. They don't want to tax everyone. Ish, because Trump ran on a drain the swamp campaign, Mm -hmm. which is part of everyone's rich over here. That's why it was so frustrating. It was like, this is a rich person. And he's saying- No, he didn't have any problem with richness. 
he had problem with cronyism and not dealing with immigration, not dealing with all this stuff. But he was not anti-money. But drain the swamp was about. It had nothing to do with money. Do you think it had something to do with money? I, yeah, I think that was a piece of it. Of like, oh. this is all an elite, rich group that's not connected to the rest of the world, and we have to drain it, and blah blah blah. The one group of Americans who actually votes against their wallet is the right. They mm -hmm. don't want to redistribute wealth, even though they're the poorest group. They don't have a problem with income inequality. They're actually the one group, weirdly, and I think it's crazy and against their interests, that they don't want to redistribute wealth. And they're the ones drawn to QAnon. So if you say that it's angst over the income inequality, and yet you look at the pool of people that joined are the actual people who don't have angst about that, that's a problem with the theory. I hear what you're saying. I would argue the angst is over people not having what they think they should have. That base of people that don't have much, they look to Trump as aspirational. And they're like, if I work hard, I can get that. I support that. I want him to be my president. I think the fact they're not magically making all this money and they're struggling with their business and struggling to own a home and all of that, that's where the frustration comes See, from. Now, a really salient, logical, defendable argument would be that the people on the left are furious at the income inequality and that they join this group to express their frustration about it. Now, that's a solid argument. But in, in practice, it's actually the opposite which needs to be acknowledged. Well, like on Rabbit Hole show, mm. that first woman, she was really upset Occupy after 2008. Wall. The yeah. government bailed out the banks and not the people. Yes. And so that is feeling like, wait, there's this massive- And I agree with you. There are totally far left liberals that got attracted to QAnon. And I think that's where the two edges of the political spectrum actually make a circle. Are you essentially saying that we should seen Dr. Justin Stage back to prison. Because <laughs> that's what I'm getting from. I that's what I'm getting him. from this. I love him. I think him. we should fucking... I loved him, but we're all missing, we're all missing the main enemy, which is binary options. I take that on board. I think it's just him pointing out some Yeah, you're realities. making him out to be an extremist, and he's, he's not. not. Well, he if you're equating totally it normal. to a QAnon thing, like, that's extreme. I did not, I never, let's be very clear, I did not equate him to QAnon. But you're saying He's what a completely they normal do. person mm. who's stuck in a binary left-right explanation of things. He's just mm. giving, to me, an explanation that isn't necessarily left. Like, why does that have to be placed into the left category? Well, because he's talking about the wages have not come up. But that all the, the leaders are millionaires. Uh, the millionaire thing, okay. That Margaret Thatcher ruined all the trade unions. There's no question. I don't think anyone in their right mind is going to argue that this person isn't on the left. Right. I just, yes. <laughs> left. Yeah, I just yeah. don't think, I don't know. But I, you're, I, I, mean, I, I can I be blind too. I just think that there's this incredibly complex situation issue on the plate right now, which is the polarization. And it might be TV's the number one thing. Well, that's another uh, that, but that's something else you're throwing out, just like he I'm threw not. something. What? I'm not just throwing. It's not willy nilly. Well, either is that. That's what I'm saying. So yes, you can have a conjecture, and he can have a conjecture, and I can too. But they're and all based in real stuff. But it doesn't mean just because yours is a little more neutral on the political scale that it's the right one. It could they could all <clears throat> be adding. I'm sure they are. Everything's. A mixture. I can tell you mm. that if you look at life and problems through the left lens or the right lens, 
you're going to exclude half of all information on planet Earth, and you're not going to get to the solution quickest. So I am, I'm planning a flag. Anytime it's left, right, and that's the explanation, I'm saying bullshit. We have to fucking transcend this. It's funny, I do feel a certain ownership of these people I talk to as well because I'm the one that goes out and grab them and I put them on the show and I'm filtering them in the way I edit them. Yeah. If he was in front of you, I think I'd feel more confident to have this debate about what he's saying. But the trouble is I've interviewed him. I've just got a little bit of what he's told me in a limited amount of time. So that's a tricky thing with the show. I wish he was here live to enter mm. into it because I almost feel I can't talk on his behalf as well and that's this just a meta level of this particular show where i've gone and interviewed someone and bought them in right it's yeah. tricky oh and it's, I, so it's through your I think lens that's why i get so awkward trying to think because i'm in defending him i'm trying to think of what he's thinking and what i'm thinking and trying to understand your point of view which is also valid and what monica's saying is valid it's just really tricky yeah i wish i could have done this without even involving him but i totally respect that and i would have the same ethical dilemma you're having right now so I'm going to let it be. Okay, so just a result, we will petition to put Dr. Stage back in prison. And no, I love no, him. I, know you I would shake I his hand. Do. I'm so in awe of all of his knowledge in it. I can't believe he went through that personally. And I think he's a phenomenal guest. I also think as a end of this episode, I think to note that the satanic panic is still going on. And there are still people out there that are scared by scary metal music and scary satanic TV shows and think that Satan is still out there trying to capture America's youth. I feel mm. him working still around. through me right now. Mm, oh, he's I feel like, that he's deep too. inside you. I know you do. He's deep inside. I play spent the whole I morning playing in- D&D. <laughs> is D&D fun? Has that. anyone played it? I've played a little bit of it. Vin Diesel loves D&D. Mm. He's a big D&D player, which D. I love. Because of the D. <laughs> Vin D. <laughs> when I lived in this house in Dearborn, Michigan, with three members of a very popular punk rock band, and the lead singer, Matt, he was a god in Detroit, right? Mm. He was the most punk rock. He was, he was the cool. lead singer. And every Sunday morning in our apartment, he would host this D&D party. Love this. And you guys, the dudes that came over that were in his D&D club. Not like him. Nerds, not punk rock. And one of the guy had two Bouviers. Do you know those dogs? They're mm. enormous no. dogs. Mm. They think they were bred to trip the horse of your opponent when you were a knight <laughs> and you were jousting. Like right. they're, in no- they're too big. And I would come out, and also Aaron and I were the only ones that drank there because they were all straight edge. And I'd come out hungover in the morning, and there would be these five men in this tiniest little living room ever and these enormous medieval dogs. And I was like, this is so out there. Oh I mean, this God. is... In my mind, this makes him even cooler it that does. he would do this. Yeah. And weirdly, I think Stranger Things kind of touched on this because that's D&D has been a thing that all the kids played. And I don't really remember the latest season very well, but one of the kids there was like really cool, but uh, and yeah. the other kids were nerds, and that was this dichotomy of the coolness oh, and the nerdery. And I think Stranger <laughs> Things kind of brought that back as well. And I wonder how many people watching Stranger Things, like kids watching it, had no idea that the reaction from that town in Stranger Things to the kids playing the game and being involved in the murders, that was all riffing on a very real feeling in that yeah. time. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, well that thanks was for teaching us. Satanic panics. Satanic panic. murder any witches. Don't worry about Satan. Everything's going to be okay. That turned into a satanic dance. Keep rhyming. Satanic panic. Satanic panic. But it turned into a satanic dance. It did. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we like that. We heard it. It was really good. 
<laughs> Love that, Dex. <laughs> oh, I'm so embarrassed. Oh. Say it a third time. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. So, guys, what I was saying was um, <laughs> satanic dance. Because when we talk but about arguing, think, it's do, a dance. Do you think that rhymes? No, not at all. I wasn't trying to oh, rhyme. Okay. Not as catchy. No. Okay. There's a pattern now. Oh. Because Monica last week, too, mm. got me really good. I embarrassed myself really bad during Sick an episode. Burn. Yeah. I don't want you to be embarrassed. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's part of it. I should <laughs> no, get embarrassed. No. Yes, because I'm so yeah. aggressive what with happened? my opinion. It's also nice that if I get I humiliated I don't want to be the person that's in charge of that. <laughs> we are... <laughs> Well, I guess this this guest a question about a director we had both known or worked with. Yeah, you guys, you both knew him. Yeah, and then I just launched into this. Oh, it was actually a producer. It was a producer. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm in the middle of telling all the virtues of this guy and blah, blah, blah. And I just, I glance at Monica <laughs> and the look on her face is literally, it's saying everything. It's like, no one asked you <laughs> what you think of this producer. And it was like. It all hit me at once. Like, oh, what am I? What am I doing right now? Oh, it I, was, didn't it mean, was I didn't. I didn't. There was no maliciousness. You were just acknowledging the truth. No, really. What I was doing was I was waiting for you to be done so that I could ask her again. <laughs> so then I was just waiting. But I think you can read my mind. You have to love it. Yeah. You're, wait, you're waiting. Look, oh yeah. when is this going to be over? Oh, it feels good. It's like a cleanse, though. Oh, it was so embarrassing. And then we just had to, you know, we dealt with it. And then just now, yeah, I repeated that thing. <laughs> and I'll, okay. tonight you in I didn't bed, I'll think you. about the fact that, why did you have to repeat? You thought they I didn't it. hear you. That's why you repeated the it. The repetition was the best thing that's ever happened. And I fucking loved it so much. <laughs> I did that too at the beginning of the pandemic. I know. The pangolin joke. Yeah, I know. I made a pangolin joke in front of like 12 people. Not one person liked it. And so my, I guess my, my, back? my first assumption was, oh, and they didn't hear me. And then I repeated it. And, and then it became clear everyone heard me. And then in my arrogance, I was like, they must not they know the pangolin it. part of the story of COVID. And then I started to explain. And I didn't. Luckily, I didn't get far into it where I realized what was happening, and then I was just so embarrassed. And I think Ryan said, "Like, you still I, talking about the pangolin?" Like, someone I love this. It, out. it makes you a person. You're human. I am. You're it's just devastating. Human. I once met a hero of mine. As I had one opportunity in the room with them, I knew how important this moment was. I wasn't expecting it to happen. I picked a story to tell them something I thought was interesting. Twenty seconds in, realized I didn't really remember the story properly. <laughs> I was already too deep to stop. <laughs> I started having to make up bits of the story and filling gaps, <gasps> and it was the most mortifying <laughs> conversation of my life. And they knew I was struggling. Yeah, they weren't helping. They stared at me as I just babbled on and <laughs> on. And but on. there's some. Do you agree? There's something cleansing about it. Yeah, it's pure. It need, is pure. <laughs> it's like it a is. reset on your humility, really quick. <laughs> Devastating. <laughs> I'm going to reset myself here. All right. Love you guys. Love you. Bye. <laughs>